Computer, initialize Holosuite. Star Trek books. They've been around for decades. Join us, the Trek ladies, Kavora and Jen, as we discuss the novels one at a time. Welcome to the Ladies Trek Library. Okay, hello, we are back with Ladies Trek Library. I'm Kavora, and I'm here with Jen. Hi. Hey, Kavora, and hey, listeners. I'm really happy to be back. So, this time we are reviewing Star Trek The Next Generation book, Survivors, by Jean Laura. And I'll read the description on the back of the book. Treva, a human colony on the fringes of known space, isolated from the rest of the galaxy, at last report they were on the verge of becoming a true interstellar community, a full-fledged member of the Federation. But now the Enterprise has received a distress signal. Treva is in the throes of a violent revolution, a revolution led by a merciless warlord who has committed countless atrocities in the name of freedom. Data and Tasha Yar are dispatched to investigate, but once they reach Treva, they discover the truth and any possible solution may be far more complex than a simple rebellion. For Treva's president wants more than Starfleet's good words in her fight against the rebels. She wants their weapons, and before the battle is over, she means to get them over Data and Yar's dead bodies if necessary. Okay, so that's it. So this is mostly a book about um, Data and Yar in their own little adventure. And I just want to say, so this book was published in January of 1989. So it was while The Next Generation was still on. It started in 1987. So so these books that were were written while the show was still on, of course, there's going to be things that happened later on in the show that, that contradicted the book. Uh, we'll start off with the planet New Paris. The book says Tasha is from New Paris, but we did learn on later on TNG that the planet she was from would, was called Turkana 4. But it does have some similarities because at this point on The Next Generation, they did already know that she was from a planet that had rape gangs and basically th- there was no overall government. It was just the um, – there were gangs on the planet that that did what they wanted to do, and that was the situation on New Paris. The beginning of the book described Tasha on New Paris as, as a a young girl, and it was it was very disturbing that the life that she had to live, being on her own and not having a family. Uh, what did you think about it? Um, well, I was really glad to read a book where we got uh, background on. Tasha Yar and her childhood, because obviously we didn't, you know, she was killed off fairly early in the series. So we didn't, we didn't get to spend a lot of time with her. And um, whereas other characters had more time where you could see episodes that talked more about their past, we didn't have that opportunity with Tasha Yar. Um, So I was excited to read this book. Um, And yeah, we, we did um, know a little bit about her uh, home planet um, from the show, but, but not a lot. Um, and this gave some insight into 
what it was like, um, Turkana 4, but in the book uh, New Paris, but um, sort of similar description with a planet that is basically uh, has no government. Um, it's just uh, anarchy with uh, gangs and um you know, in order to survive, you basically have to join a gang because you, you can't survive on your own. Um, and you're constantly, you know, just every day is just a struggle to to survive. Um, so the book really depicted that uh, pretty vividly and what Tasha Yar's childhood was like, um, which was, you know, pretty difficult, as you can imagine, on a planet like that. Um, she was born to a mother who was a drug addict. Um, they called it joy dust was what they called the, uh, the drug. Um, and her mother, uh, died when she was fairly young. Um, and she was taken in by an older woman who took care of her until she was a teenager and old enough to kind of get by on her own. Um, and one thing that I found really interesting was that, uh, she didn't have a, a last name. She just knew herself as Tasha and when she eventually joined Starfleet and had to have a last name, uh, she picked the name Yar because Yar was the name of the woman who took her in after her mother died. So um, that was an interesting little tidbit we got to see. Um, but yeah, it was a very, it was a difficult to read um, uh, section of the book, uh, especially a scene where um, you know, she's raped and she also has to fear again from, from these rape gangs. So, um, you know, not a, not a place you really want to live in, in a sad situation, but, uh, but I enjoyed reading the chapter and getting to understand more about her, her life and how that, uh, affected who she was as an adult and as a security officer. I, I think Jean Laura did, did a, Good job of um, of world building in this, um, showing the the planet mostly mostly just in the first chapter. Um, her depiction of it was she she was able to extract a lot from just from the few episodes that had been on TV at the time. And um, and since you mentioned about where she got her name, it kind of reminded me of you know the movie Han Solo where. You know, Han Solo had to make up a last name for himself when they asked him, what's your name? And he just came up with something. And that's sort of what Tasha Yar did in this uh, for her last name. She just had to come up with with a second name for herself. Um, but that was one of the things that was that it, it doesn't jive with the show anymore, because when they had Tasha's sister in the episode Legacy, her, her sister's name was Ashera Yar. So how did how did her sister get the, the same last name? Because the book, this this book doesn't like you know at this time we didn't know that Tasha had a sister so it never mentioned that she had a sister but you know things like that you you just go with um so so it does mention that 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 New Paris was an Earth colony it was just something that it was a colony that just sort of eventually just dwindled down and they they just weren't able to keep control of it uh so now getting on to to Tasha Yar in in the book. And a lot of things in this was different from – well, I won't say too much of it was different, but just the fact that she had that sister that we already knew and the sister wasn't in the book. Um, one, one thing that was interesting was that Tasha had a cat on the planet, and I like how the book says that she didn't name her cat because – on, on New Paris, they didn't have, they didn't know that that Earth had the custom of having pets and naming them. So Tasha just had this cat that she took care of, but it didn't have a name. But on on the show in the episode where no one has gone before, 
Tasha had that flashback scene where she was on her home planet and she was holding a cat. So that was great that Jean Laura remembered that and put the, the cat in this story. And you'll remember how the cat on the episode was, it was an orange cat. And, and thinking about it again made me think, you know, Data had a cat that, that looked a lot like that. And so then it makes you wonder, and the book doesn't say this, but I thought maybe the reason Data got a cat was because Tasha told him about her cat. And even and Data even got the same kind of cat because maybe that's the kind that Tasha must have told him she had an orange cat too. I just thought that was neat. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, like, like about Data and the cat. But yes, now that you say that, that makes me think about that. Yes, it. it I mean, it, it's interesting. But you know, behind the scenes on the show, it might have even been they might have used the same cat on the show for Tasha's cat and for Spot. But at least in the beginning, until they got a different cat to play Spot. Um, but Tasha in the book, you can see a lot of her development and they, the book kind of uses flashbacks because it showed her on her home planet and shows her currently on the Enterprise and then it goes back to show some other things about her first days in the academy and training and, and then goes back to her a time when they're, she's on a current mission with Data where they had to take a shuttlecraft to another planet. Uh, so what do you think about how Tasha was used in this story? I thought she did a really great job. Um, I thought it was really fascinating um, to read not just about her life on her home planet, but what happened to her um, after she was rescued. So she was rescued by Starfleet uh, when she was 15. Um, and she uh, had a, a mentor, one of the men who rescued her, Daryl Aiden, who um, took her kind of under his wing until they got back to Earth, and then she went to school and, um, you know, wanted to join uh, Starfleet because Starfleet is, you know, the organization that rescued her, and, um, you know, that's really what she had in her mind that she wanted to be a part of um, because she really, you know, it changed her life for the better. Um, so, and then we get to follow her as she goes through Starfleet Academy and her training and, um I really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was really well done and it, it really fit with her character. And um, it was just great to get background into um, what her life was like. And uh, one of the stories early in the book was her training in Starfleet where they had her in a holodeck simulation where she was on a mission to a planet and, and found out there were Orions there. And, and there was the danger that she might get captured by the Orions and sold into slavery. And, and then this turns out to be just a holodeck. She doesn't even know it's a holodeck simulation at the time because they had um, affected her mind so that she would think it was all real. And this was all part of a Starfleet uh, test to see how she would handle the situation. But but to me, it was it was disturbing in the book just because I would like the chapter before that had talked about the gangs on her home planet. And then you're reading about about how she might become a slave. And I thought, oh, this is such a depressing book. But I kind of I was glad they got out of that later and got on to other stories yeah it, i mean that was a, a and of course as a reader you don't know going into it that it's just a, a simulation you don't find that out until until later so you think that she really is on this mission where um some of her uh the other cadets that were with her have died in a crash and she's the only survivor and then she has to uh, witness uh, the scene where uh, there's some Starfleet uh, or Federation personnel who were supposed to be observing the the planet, um, you know, in disguise because the the planet is not uh, 
you know, they're not warp capable yet. And they have these Federation um, observers have gotten in league with the Orions and are going to be selling the natives uh, into slavery. And so, yeah, that that is pretty depressing um, until you read <laughs> at the end that it's it's all a part of her training to see how she would react. And and it's kind of interesting because they they put her in a sort of a no win situation where it's really morally ambiguous, the choices that she has to make. She, she's forced to choose between, um, should she, um, you know, help the natives because she doesn't want them to be sold into slavery, um, you know, uh, have the Orions take them. Um, but then she'd be interfering, um, and breaking the prime directive. And so she has to make this choice and it's really not a choice. And that's kind of the whole point of the exercise that, you know, sometimes you're going to be faced with these decisions where there really is no right answer and, and you, you don't, you can only do the best that you can. And she gets very frustrated by that because she, you know, she wants to know what's the right thing to do. So that's kind of like one thing that sticks with her, her whole life uh, is, you know, uh, when is it, you know, when I'm in these situations, like it, sometimes things are not black and white. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It was something that, that she thinks back to when she, you know, later on in, in this story. And, and I also saw Yar as sort of a, a Pygmalion character or, or My Fair Lady where she, they said she was, she was a young girl when, when Starfleet first found her and she didn't know these, you know, all the social graces of Starfleet or even how to, how to t- talk the correct way, having the manners and everything. And, and Daryl Aiden is supposedly the one who, who, groomed her in a lot of ways and talked to her about these things i just kind of saw it that way or associated her with pygmalion yeah i agree um and of course i think the book you know it could have gone into a lot more detail it kind of um zooms past a lot of her you know she kind of they spend some time talking about her life on her home planet and then it's kind of like then she's in starfleet academy and they kind of fast forwarded a bit through the intervening years. I mean, we know she went to school and she spent some time on the Federation ship with uh, Daryl Aiden, but you don't really get to see her transformation from, from a somewhat like wild child uh, to, to the person that she became. And I, I would have liked to have seen that, but I mean, I guess I understand it would have maybe been a pretty long novel if they had included that. So. Well, as far, yeah, as far as the story, like you, they didn't want to spend too much time on one part of the story. Um, so, so then getting to the main story where they were on Treva and and Tasha got kidnapped by a warlord and then they find out that he's not really that that bad. That if it, it, you know, the story, you're thinking, oh, so this guy is really the good guy instead of the one who's actually in, in control of the planet. But, but as far as Tasha, dur- during this time – I, I like how she was uh, trying to understand what, what the people where she was and and still trying to get back in touch with data and seeing how how, how everything was going on the planet and and discovering how things were not as they seem. So she her training went well and the book always says like that Starfleet gives the best training possible. So as a security officer, she was still on the ball and still trying to do her duty the best she could. Yes, uh, it was an interesting twist about the the whole thing with Tripa, um, and that initially, you know, uh, 
I don't know if it's, I'm not sure if you say Nalavia or I was calling her Nalavia, but I'm not sure. Um, I said Nalavia, but okay. Nalavia, (laughs) okay, I'll I'll go with Nalavia. Uh, The president of Treva, you know, makes this appeal to Starfleet and um, Picard sends Data and Yar there. And, uh, you know, initially it, it makes it sound like, oh, you know, she's the good person. She's the democratically elected president and she's um under siege from these warlords who who you know want to ruin the planet um but tasha and data are both smart enough to know that you know you can't just take everything at face value and they do some research before they get to the planet and once they uh, arrive um and come to realize that uh nalavia is not nalavia is not the person uh, that she seems and that she's not really telling them the whole truth about the situation um, including the the warlord Rikon or or Rikon. That's another one. How are you pronouncing that? Rikon. Rikon. I'd say Rikon. Yeah. You just sort of yeah. Since we both read the book and didn't do like I don't even know if this one's on Audible, but yeah, reading it and you just sort of make up your own way to pronounce the names. Um. So, so and also you have data. And, and there was the, the discussion of what happened between – or at least, I mean, Tasha and Data are always thinking about what happened between them uh, in the episode The Naked Now where they were where they were intimate. And Tasha is – like she keeps thinking like how, how does Data react to that? She's not sure like – he had because he hasn't mentioned it. And she says like he must have taken her too literally when she said it never happened. But Data goes through some development in this story, too. And, and again, this book was – it came out right before the episode Measure of a Man. Um, yeah, this book was in January of 89, and then Measure of a Man was February of 89 uh, because this book mentions um, Data being sentient. And it says Starfleet Academy would only takes people if they're sentient. But Measure of a Man had to determine that, that Data was sentient. So that's just something, you know, another problem with books that are written while the show was still on. Yes, and interestingly enough, uh, you know, one of the uh, things that comes up is that uh, when Tasha is reunited uh, with her, uh, with Daryl Aiden on uh, the planet Treva, uh, she, one thing that she appreciates is, is initially, he he and his uh, friends and the people he's working with they they just keep referring to Data as a robot um, and she's trying to explain to him that he's you know he's a person and they don't get it but once they meet Data um, she appreciates the fact that from that point on uh, Daryl Aiden treats Data just like as if he is the person um, and he recognizes that he is sentient. Yeah, that was um, that was something that's like it's frustrating at first when he's when you keep reading about Dare saying, you know, Dare is, is short for Daryl Aiden. They called him Dare. He, he thought of Data as a robot. And, yeah, the way he kept saying it and all that. And, yeah, so disrespectful at first. And you're going, please don't say that because I like Data, you know. So but uh, but, yeah, it was neat that once he well, once he met him and Riker, the warlord, once he met Data, they both really respected him. They they did see him as more than than a robot. Yeah, and so that kind of mirrors what happens, you know, in Measure of a Man and in other episodes of Next Generation where um, people who don't know Data or in the beginning, you know, they just assume he's just like a machine, like a robot. And, and once they get to know him, they realize, oh, he is a person. 
Yeah, yeah, even Dr. Pulaski at first, I mean, the way she referred to him as it. And but, um, and, and other things about data, the, there, there, was, there was some line in the book, too, where they mentioned that he had, like, he had intimate relations with other people before. It was like, oh, they, someone had to throw that in. There was some comment that implied that. But yes, I do I thought that it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, what's that about? Yeah. But, but Data and Tasha were both people who were, who were rescued by Starfleet. That's um, a big thing to have in common. And, and for the, both of them, it's the reason they wanted to join Starfleet. So, so I love that, how the author caught on to that and, and knew it was just such a great idea to, to throw the two of them together in a story. Yeah, I really like that, too. And, you know, it, it, so the reason that they ended up being thrown together um, was because uh, Nalavia uh, – who was the president of Truba is a very beautiful woman. And I think Picard noticed right away that uh, Riker and, and some of the men were um, kind of, uh, you know, drooling over her. So he wanted to not send Riker or, or a man who might be, uh, you know, charmed by her. And, and the reason he sent Tasha and, and data was because, you know, she's a woman and he's an android. So they're, they're not well. She's a straight woman, and he's an android, so uh, he didn't have to worry about, you know, Nalavia uh, putting her charms on on one of the other crew members, and so that was an interesting uh, an interesting reason that they got thrown together. And then they had to spend several days in the shuttlecraft together on their way to the planet, which gave them a lot of time to have, you know, together um, where there's not much going on, and they had to interact and it was kind of the first time they had interacted since um, their romantic encounter um, and so it was a little awkward because Yar had been avoiding him intentionally um, since that time and he, and he kind of recognized that um, but he wasn't sure that she was really avoiding him he thought you know, maybe maybe she's just really busy and and, and I'm just you know imagining this um, but uh, it was it was some cute scenes in the shuttlecraft where they they got to kind of interact more and and she got to talk a little bit more uh, to him about her past and and uh, her life with and Daryl Aiden and things like that and and he also was thinking about um, you know his his always thinking about being human and and different things what makes a human and so it was that was a good um, I thought that was good how the author. Uh, threw them together like that and then gave them the opportunity, a you know, forced opportunity where they had to interact with each other and kind of get over their embarrassment or her embarrassment anyway. Yes, good development of the characters, especially considering that the show had, had not been on very long when the, when this was written. Um, and Data, it, so it says that Data has a flirtation program. And, and the thing is, I'm doing a Next Generation rewatch now, and so I just recently saw the episode in theory where Data has a, quote, girlfriend, unquote. And in that episode, he, he actually, like, like since another woman expressed interest in him, it says that he downloaded or uploaded all these programs into his memory banks about, about how to, how to flirt and how to have a romantic relationship. So according to, to that episode, he really didn't, Flirt or it, like it wasn't already part of his programming, but but in the but this book says yes he was programmed with it from the beginning so that it, that wasn't an interesting thought I mean 
to to have that so he he accesses his program so he knows how to how to respond to a woman who's flirting with him because Nalavia does flirt with him and he kind of in in some way re- returns it he acts charming with her kind of the way Riker would but you know charming but also aloof like not really not acting like he's giving in to it but acting like he he's kind of interested it was that was an interesting interplay between the two of them and seeing how data could could actually do, do this yeah it was interesting um that you could see that data had this uh, supposedly flirtation program that he could turn on and off um because we didn't really you know that didn't exist on the show so that was one difference <laughs> and then another just another quote from the book something because i think i think it was Riken that mentioned it data like maybe someday we'll be able to put a human in an android body and then make, that makes you think, oh yeah, that just happened on Picard, yeah. And yes, that's exactly what I thought when I read that, and I was like, well, she couldn't have known that back in 1989, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So, so yeah, some things, you know, are just really good. Um, and um, the fact that um, th- so the book was called Survivors, and part of of that was Riken talking to Data and said, and, and Riken was a very older uh, person in this. So he was saying he's a survivor. He outlived his his wife and his daughter, and he he was talking to Data, and and he knows that Data will probably outlive all of his loved ones. So these people will survive their their loved ones. That was just um that that was really good development too. And, and thinking and you know that Jean Laura put a lot of thought into Data's character about these things. Yes, it did make me really sad reading the parts because here, um, you know, Data is kind of looking to um, Riken for wisdom, um, and he's been fighting for his people his whole life and has seen not just his wife and his daughter die, but, you know, he basically his all of his friends and the people he served with, um, he's the last one. And so he was kind of telling Data, you know, um, it might not be such a good thing that that you're going to outlive everyone because when you're the one who survives, then all you can think about is, is how you're the last one. Everyone, you know, the, the sad memories of the people who have left. Um, so yeah, it was very poignant. And then also getting to, to Daryl Aiden. Oh, and, wait, and I he, wanted, Darryl... sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you. I wanted to say one more thing about data before I okay. to Daryl Aiden, which was um, one interesting point that she made. Um, there's part where he has some memories. It talks about how he can put his memories, not just like the flirtation program, which he could turn on and off, which he's aware that he has, but she kind of made it. Um, she said, like everything else he had ever experienced, the memories were available should he lift the prohibition so that he's able to like put a prohibition on, oh, I'm not going to access these memories. But then it made me wonder if it's a prohibition then how is he going to know that they're there to ever decide that he wants to access them? Just yeah. an interesting thought. <laughs> yeah, sort of a, a a dilemma for him. Like, yeah, and like, can he put things out of his mind? I mean, we kind of we kind of see him if he's ordered not to say something, then he won't say it. But does but does it actually go from his memory? But yeah, yeah, that was another interesting thing about data. Yeah. So and it was, so it it just made me wonder how it if he's able to put things aside and say, Oh, I don't, you know, I'm not going to access those memories. Then how does he know that they're there? It's just kind of interesting. Anyway. 
Yeah, and 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 the same thing with Tasha Yar saying it didn't happen. So he right. knew that she was she didn't want him to mention it again. And so with Daryl Aiden, the one who rescued Tasha, and of course, really, it was part of a team, the Starfleet team that rescued Tasha Yar. But Daryl was the one that was in charge of the team. And um, so, so Daryl talks in this book about he's talking with Tasha and, th- and th- he's saying that the two of them are also survivors because they have lived a long time. And I mean, and Tasha went through so much in her past. But Daryl was an interesting character. The thing is, he he's like, what what did the book say about ten years older than Tasha? She's fifteen when when he rescued her. But there is an age difference there. But the two of them wind up falling in love, and they even get engaged. But then there's an incident with Daryl where he's accused of doing something of conspiring with the Orions, and he's found guilty. And drummed out of Starfleet. So, and then Tasha doesn't see him for a long time. And when she's on this mission to the planet Treva, he happens to be there as a mercenary helping the so-called warlord Riken. Uh, what do you think about the the way that this character developed, uh, Daryl Aiden? He was an interesting character. Um, so he's one of the, as you mentioned, one of the team that rescues Tasha Yar when she was a fifteen. Um, yeah, they made it sound like he, he must have been in his early 20s. I'd, I'd say probably you're right, about 10 years older, because at that point he was the the chief of security. So he, he had to be, you know, he probably wasn't fresh out of Starfleet Academy. So I think maybe mid to late 20s. Um, but they said it wasn't a big age difference. Um, but still, at first I thought, oh, it's kind of a little creepy because he kind of took her under his wing, um, you know, and helped her. And. Uh, paid for her schooling and was kind of like a mentor to her. So in some ways, it was a little weird um, that they then later developed a relationship. But she was at that point an adult, um, you know, and it was a decision that she made on her own. And he did not, uh, you know, he didn't make any advances or act inappropriately in any way uh, when she was younger or, you know, during the time when she was in school. So, um, yeah, I mean, so I, I could see that, you know, them falling in love, especially because, you know, she has these memories of him being the, the person who rescued her. And um, when she's in Starfleet Academy uh, taking her security training, he's actually, um, after having served some missions, he's back in Starfleet Academy taking some refresher training courses. So they're in some of the courses together, and that's kind of where they reconnect and, and fall in love. Um and they get engaged. And he seems like a really great guy, um, always sort of pushing her to do her best, um, but but a very intelligent person. Um, and then the situation happens where uh, he supposedly, allegedly, uh, conspires with the Orions um, to, they're supposed to be stealing some dilithium off of the ship that he and Tasha are on, and the Orions end up uh, killing a lot of people. And uh, he, you know, gets convicted and uh, sent to uh, a rehabilitation colony, but escapes. Um, And Tasha has a really hard time believing that he's guilty at first. um, But the evidence just seems, uh, you know, pretty overwhelming uh, that he's guilty. And she finally kind of has to accept that that he is. Um, And she does see this kind of dark angry side to him during that time that she hadn't seen before. 
So maybe that helps her to, um, you know, accept his guilt. Um, but it's a big betrayal for her, someone who she thought was the ideal Starfleet person, uh, is found guilty and responsible for the deaths of many people she knows. So this is a pivotal moment in her life. And um, when she's reunited with him uh, years later on Treva, he's been acting as a mercenary and living outside the law. So it's a big change. And of course, we, we find out that, you know, I talking about Daryl Aiden, as I was reading the story about what happens to him, at first I was like, mm, I don't know if I can really buy that this character, even though we do see a bit of a dark, angry side, it just seemed like too much of a character, a, you know, a change in character for this person who's always doing the right thing to suddenly be selling out his crewmate studio rights and re being responsible for their deaths. So I kind of had a hard time believing that, and I felt like, I don't know if this is really believable. It seemed like a stretch to me. But, of course, at the end of the story, we find out. It all makes sense. So, I'll, But I'll leave that for later. Uh, you know, I kind of felt the same way about it, just that um, – so, so he was accused of conspiring with, with the Orions, and and I think the, the way – like the way Star Trek stories are usually written, I mean, if Tasha Yar really loved him and she was already engaged to him at this time, she would have done what she could to prove him innocent. She would have researched it more and, and figured it out. That's usually the way it, it works out. Um, and, and instead of and him just be, being so surprised. Yeah. And, and the way she she kind of acted like. She was just going to let him go. I mean, she didn't. She didn't seem to work hard enough to uh, to fight for him. So, so that part, yeah, was that was a little hard, hard to to believe that it would have happened that way. And, and then also finding out that that he was a mercenary and and that he basically he was he was so good at it. He had become you know like a, a legend as, as, and he had some other assumed name. I forgot what it was, but. But his other name Tasha had heard before because she had heard like, oh, this person is a legend. But she didn't know that it was Daryl Aiden until she ran into him again. The Silver Paladin. Yes, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just strange that a former Starfleet officer and someone who, who did not do what he was accused of and suddenly he is he becomes so good at being a mercenary. Somehow that didn't ring true to me. So, you know, so some part of his character I kind of had trouble with yeah and then I mean so we eventually find out at the end of the story that um, he he really was innocent yeah and he that was. He, he had been framed now I can forgive her a little bit for not you know discovering the truth because it really took data what was the only one who was able to um, find out that he had been framed by the Orions because they had done such a good job of um, hiding the information in the computer and setting him up that the data was the only person capable of discovering that. But I do agree with you. I felt like she did kind of give up on him a little too easily. Yeah, the evidence was there, but she just kind of was like, okay, I guess he's guilty. And, you know, and I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say, you know, if, if the evidence is so overwhelming on the one hand, you know, could she have thought otherwise? Could she really have believed he was innocent when, when it seemed at that time, you know, Complete, completely certain that he was guilty, but hard to say. Um, but it was a little odd that when uh, when they reunite, and maybe it's because she's gotten older, 
um, before that, you know, before Data discovers that he really was innocent when they meet again on Treva um, and she rekindles her romance with him, uh, knowing that it's it's a temporary, that it's not going to, to last because she's going to be in Starfleet and he's going to uh, continue to be, you know, living outside of the Federation uh, rules and uh, as a mercenary. Um, but it doesn't seem to bother her. Like, you know, I, I, it was a little weird too, to me, like, she's just like, okay, I'm, we're, you know, we're going to spend this time together as lovers and just forget about the fact that, you know, he was guilty or that, you know, she believed he was guilty of, of these crimes. It was kind of, that didn't really make as much sense to me either. Yeah. That those little things at the end. Yeah. Um, and so the book does go into so, – so I understand that, like they said, this book – it was written after the episodes kind of evil. Like we already knew that Tasha was dead, and so that's the reason that that they actually allowed – or Jean Laura to write this book because they – you know, they allowed the book after, after Tasha was dead. They didn't want to have a character that that uh, went into her past or the past of a character that was still on the show because they thought the show might still be developing that character later. So they didn't want a book about it. So they, they thought at the time it was safe to have a book about Tasha's past after she uh, had died. But anyway, that so the book does go into to Tasha's death in, in Skin of Evil. And so the, the irony of that is that, you know, Colin, Tasha a survivor in the book but then she does die in the book that was just an interesting irony that they had but but it is neat that like we we do know she's going to die so they actually put that in the book they didn't make you try to think that like that they didn't know what was going to happen to her when at the time that the book was written yeah you know I didn't even consider the irony of that but but you're right um that should have been obvious um, I did appreciate how, um, you know, of course, we know going into it what's going to happen to her, but I wasn't sure of the exact time frame um, as far as the book, like how much uh, longer after this um, book took place that she died. Um, and it's not too long afterwards because they, they had, you know, they deal with it. And and one thing that I did like, even though I didn't necessarily buy the the story of the, the reunion between um, Daryl, Aiden, and, and Tasha was that when Picard informs Data, uh, you know, Data is going to be the one to uh, bring the news to Daryl Aiden of Tasha's death. Um, and he, you know, Picard agrees that he he thinks that he's the, the appropriate uh, person to do that since he knew um, both of them. And that and, was good. Yeah. Yeah. And there's one line that he said that I just loved. Um, and Picard says, you know, one of the hardest lessons of life is that there are times when the best we can hope for is a draw, when the battles with one's own conscious conscience. And that is the most difficult of all, um, because Data's talking about, uh, you know, the memorial service that they're going to have for Tasha. And he's not really sure that he understands the point of a memorial service. Like, what is it? For a human, what does it mean? Um, and, and he tells Picard that he thinks that it's not done for the person who the person who died didn't leave the memorial for them. It's for the people that have been left behind. And when when he tells Picard this, then he doesn't think he understands. Picard says that now that you said that, I I understand that you understand exactly what what the purpose is. 
and tells him this. So I, I really like that. I thought that was a really good ending. That was good. Yeah, that's some good uh, lines in this book. I mean, I've read other books by Jean Laura, so I know she's good. So, yeah. So, so in so bringing us to the final thoughts, um, what did you think about the book overall? I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, there were, like I said, there were times with the romance between Tasha and Daryl Aiden where I was kind of like, oh, you know. But um, overall, I just I thought it was a great story. Um, it didn't disappoint me. I've, I've really liked every book by Jean Laura that I've read, and this one was no different. I, I thought it was a really good book all around and um, definitely one you want to read if you're a fan of Tasha Yar or Data. I thought so too. It was it was a good story. It was well written, and I liked the I liked the way she developed um, Tasha and Data and and their personalities. I think they they worked well together, and it, it was a good adventure and romance story. It had you know a lot of different elements. It was very entertaining the way it came together, even though like we said a few problems with it. But overall, yeah, I liked it too. Okay, so I guess that wraps it up. So thumbs up from both of us. Yes, two thumbs up. Thanks for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button and join our Facebook group. Live long and may the force be with you. Nanu Nanu.